0: This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia? Bula Vinaka and welcome to another week of Can You Be More Pacific? My name is Sarah Nangama and I'm joined by my media bestie and the second smartest man I know, Dean Halitau.
1: Fakalofala, to everyone, and welcome to the show. It's great to be here again, Sarah. Great to see your smiling face. Uh, you've been very busy of late, so uh, it's good to see you here in the studio with us before we may lose you in a couple of weeks. Um, but we'll make the most of the time we've got. We've got heaps to get through. Uh, we've got a jam-packed show. We'll be joined by New Zealand rugby cult hero, Ruby Tui. I'm looking forward to hearing that. Uh, we'll take a swing at a controversial, you can ask that. Plus, we'll go head-to-head on our brand new segment, Play On or On Report. Um, how's your week been, Sarah?
0: Look, Hala, it has been really, really hectic, but a really cool story I want to share is I had the opportunity to commentate at the recent Sydney Sevens, and this was a really, really huge moment on the Thursday before the tournament kicked off. We had a commentary slash production meeting, and I was told that I am the first Fijian, either male or female, to commentate on the World Rugby uh, series uh sorry world rugby 7 circuit so that was a really really huge significant very cool moment and honestly it was the launch pad for such a credible weekend calling some of the best action and i'm very happy slash Tired, girl.
1: <laughs> well, firstly, congratulations! That's Thank you. A
0: wonderful thing to
1: achieve and, and to be—I uh, guess—a trailblazer. So, well done on that.
0: Thank you very much. How was how is your weekend? Been? Have you had many parties like you did last weekend, or what's doing? Well, it was my birthday last week,
1: as we we spoke about, and um, so it was last Friday. I turned forty, and my wife and kids took me away for the weekend. We went down the coast and uh, nice place, Darrell Beach, beautiful part of um, of New South of the New South Wales coast. And um, yeah, we just hung out and did family things, ate pizza with the kids went down to the beach swam in the ocean so it was really cool how wholesome yeah it was it wasn't like a a a party 40th but um it's more my style just to hang out with the family and do that
0: I love that well happy birthday again and just like fine wine I think you're getting better with time but time will tell right that's right So our top story this week is all things New Zealand and their performance at the Sydney Sevens. It's worth mentioning that the Sydney Sevens returned to Australian soil after a three-year hiatus. On the women's front, the Black Ferns came out on top, so they continue their streak or their strong performance from Hamilton. They defeated France in a 35-0 to scoreline. Hugely, hugely impressive. Just want to make a quick mention of Sarah Hirini, their captain who leads with such grace and also dedicated their win to their um, their home base in Auckland. Following on from the women, the All Black Sevens also took out the top title defeating South Africa 38-0. Safe to say all the New Zealanders are really happy and you can just hear the excitement in their voices. And in
2: 2023 it is New Zealand top of the
1: pops for both the men and women.
0: Can you hear all the firework action?
1: It's awesome. It's one thing that the Sevens do so well. It's such a like festival, like party vibe at the at the footy, which is awesome.
0: And it suits me really, really well. And I also <laughs> want to just kind of throw it in there. I flexed my pass to get onto the uh, turf so I could be close to that action, <laughs> the trophy lifting yes. moment. But as it stands, the Blackburn Sevens are now 12 points clear of their nearest rivals, Australia, while New Zealand's men are now nine points clear of the Blitz box after five rounds of action. So huge two weeks for these sides as, again, they were in Hamilton and Sydney, but now they get a bit of a rest before they kickstart on their next part of the tour. Scary
1: good at the the moment, the New Zealand teams. Great adjective, scary good. Scary good, yeah. Love it. It's not mine, but I'll use it. <laughs> Thanks, hello Fiji in the men's managed to take the bronze medal.
0: Yes, they did. It's so funny, right? Because I'm Fijian and I'm looking out at this crowd and it looks like, even though it's, it's being hosted in Australia, it honestly looked like a, a Fiji home crowd because there <laughs> were blue flags every single corner of the stadium. But it was great to see Fiji still uh, coming to contention for a podium finish, um, albeit a bit of a rocky start through them. Uh, sorry for them in the pools. It was great to see them beat France um, in the end. And also just really nice that to, to, to kind of do it in front of all the Fijians because when Fiji would play, crowds were in. As soon as Fiji weren't playing, crowds were out. <laughs> <laughs> it would have
1: been good to see that in your element, Sarah. I reckon you would have been... Very popular amongst the crowd when you're out and about, but also uh, enjoying around all the rugby players that no doubt you've got close relationships with. Oh, thank you, Hala. Now, over to uh, f- football or soccer, as, as they call it around the world. New Zealand has won the IFC Under-17s Championship. They were favourites leading into it. They defeated New Caledonia 1-0 in the final. Uh, it was in Suva in Fiji, so um, good location to go and play a tournament. But New Zealand have now won eight in a row, so it's a pretty um, decent record for their Under-17s, obviously, they're breeding some really good soccer players in New Zealand and uh, a good result for them. The home side, the Baby Buller Boys, went down to Tahiti 3-0 in the third-place playoff, unfortunately, so they took home fourth.
0: I just want to mention Baby Buller Boys. What an interesting team name. Triple, triple Bs. Baby B. <laughs> I just, I can't deal, but congratulations regardless. On to the court. The quad series have now concluded with the Diamonds claiming their seventh title, defeating New Zealand 56 to 50. Silver Fern's shooter Grace Noweka was named player of the tournament. This also means that Australia have won their seventh quad series in eight tournaments and England have secured third place after their victory against South Africa.
1: Well, that's got to say, I've got to say the, the Diamonds now must be hot favourites ahead of the World Cup later in the year. They've put up some strong performances and that's going back to South Africa too, the, the World Cup. So it should be a good tournament.
0: Good trot for them.
1: Yes. And now over to hockey. We don't cover a lot of hockey, but the uh, New Zealand Black Sticks, New Zealand's got a pretty good reputation in the world of field hockey. Uh, unfortunately, they uh, host in Spain over in New Zealand and they went down in their one international match, two to one. All three goals came in the first half uh, and Spain's ranked seventh. So uh, a pretty impressive performance for them, especially on the Black Sticks home ground, I guess you'd call it. Um, They were supposed to have more games, but it's been washed out due to flooding in New Zealand, which we've uh, all seen on the news at the moment. There's been some terrible flooding in New Zealand, which has impacted this series that they're playing. But um, hopefully they're able to reschedule and play again. Uh, they're, They're planning on doing so. Uh, but for New Zealand, it's definitely something that um, they'll want to work on because, like I said, they, they do have a strong reputation in field hockey in the international arena.
0: Yes, and just echoing the sentiment, we do want to send our thoughts and prayers to those affected by the floods. It's very devastating scenes over there, but we are certainly standing them, standing with them Sorry, in this season. Over to tennis. Papua New Guinea's under-14s Coco Hakina has topped the Victorian Junior Grass Court Championship recently held in Australia. Hakina defeated Australian Charo Brown in her first crack at the under-14 girls' singles division this is really cool and no doubt in the future she'll be a name to be reckoned with in the world of tennis.
1: I'm loving seeing a lot of Papua New Guinean athletes coming down and competing uh, in Australia against some of the best that we have in the country here in Australia and getting some results. And like you said, no doubt that puts her in good stead for the future. So well done. Now over to the NFL, we moved into the conference championships over the weekend. So the NFC championship match was played between the San Francisco 49ers and also the Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia Eagles have had a fantastic season. They continued that with a very strong win, 31 points to seven over the 49ers who unfortunately they worked their way down to their four-string quarterback, they, they were playing with Brock Purdy, who I've mentioned as Mister Irrelevant uh, from when he was drafted last uh, a few years ago. He actually had a really good season. He got injured early in the game. They brought out their four-string. The four-string didn't do so well, so they brought back uh, Brock Purdy back out injured. He couldn't throw the ball. They tried to get their running back Christian McCaffrey to throw the ball. It just wasn't working for him. So they were up against it from very early in that match. And the Eagles just flexed their muscle. They had. All four touchdowns by rushing. Um, Miles Sanders had two. Jalen Hurts, the quarterback, was strong once again with 121 rushing yards. So uh, really big performance from the Eagles. And 14-3 and um, regular season record means that they were one of the best and they continue through to the Super Bowl. Uh, Where they'll face the winner of the AFC match, which was the Kansas City Chiefs. They managed to beat the Cincinnati Bengals in a really tight match. It was 23-20, the final score. Both teams, again, have had great seasons. So we've kind of finished where we thought we would in terms of the the strongest teams in the competition. The Chiefs with an injured Patrick Mahomes from last week, I think you might remember me saying he was injured early in the match there, carried the ankle injury into, into this week, but still put up a massive game, 326 passing yards, two touchdowns that he threw. And the Chiefs, they were tied right up until the last few minutes and 20 points all. Uh, the, the Bengals had a turnover. The Chiefs um, actually, the Chiefs sacked um, the quarterback for the Bengals, Joe Burrow, got their possession back. And there was a, a number of plays uh, in the last drive, which the Chiefs managed to work themselves into field goal range. And uh, this one player, defensive player for the Bengals, committed a foul on Patrick Mahomes as he's running across the sideline with only like eight seconds on the clock. The foul meant that they got to progress in the field, go back to first down, and they were in position to kick a field goal. So this this um, safety for the Cincinnati Bengals was uh, inconsolable after the match. It was pretty hard to watch, but nevertheless, the Chiefs were able to, to get the victory. So we'll have the uh, the Super Bowl in two weeks' time in Glendale, Arizona, between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs.
0: Stage is set. Two Stage teams are ready set. to go. Rihanna at halftime. Oh. You took my one thing I love to say Sorry. about the Super Bowl. <laughs> the entertainment. Your one
1: bit about the NFL. The
0: one bit I can contribute. <laughs> doesn't contribute much otherwise.
2: <laughs> Talanoa time. On Can You Be More Pacific? A little bit different this week
0: for Talanoa time. Sarah, you got to catch up one on one with Ruby Toohey. How lucky? I'm very, very lucky. It was such an in-depth and great conversation. You just have to hear it for yourself. This week for Talanoa Time, we are very fortunate to be joined by a superstar. Everyone knows her and loves her. Her name is Ruby Tui. She was born in Wellington, New Zealand. She's of Samoan, Irish and Scottish heritage. You would know her because she's dominated in the Black Ferns Sevens jersey and recently won the Rugby World Cup played in 2022 in New Zealand. Ruby Tui, thank you so much for joining us And Can You Be More Pacific?
2: Star of a lover. Sarah, thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, yeah, I, I love um, my Pacific Heritage, um, Afghasi, Samoan, 685 for life, baby. So I'm very Six happy to be five. on shows like this. So <laughs> it <Sing laughs> loud, say it proud though. No, yeah, I'm happy to be here, man. Thanks for having me.
0: No, it's such a privilege for us to have you. Just to kind of set the scene, where are you right now? What are you doing? You would have You should be in your off-season, but you're Ruby Tui, so I feel like you always got things going on. So just give us an update of where life is um, at for you right now. Yeah, so um,
2: pretty much from winning gold at Tokyo to winning the World Cup in Auckland City, it's just been full on. Um, So, yeah, just I'm having a bit of a month to just say yes to family things, friend things, um, and, you know, like – looking forward to the upcoming season what's going to happen um yeah the the black ferns are going through a bit of a transition you know management's new management still to be announced and stuff so yeah i'm just i'm in Auckland city I'm um, still training but taking a bit of time for family at the moment because it's yeah I, it's hard to put into words how crazy the last kind of 80 months has been um just with everything so yeah just just taking a minute and um, you know doing some doing some podcasts with some
0: pretty cool people Take us into the inner sanctum of the Black Ferns around World Cup because we had you, so the Wallaroos had the Black Ferns on that first game, and then just seeing the reception that you girls received from your home crowd and then how that backed up no matter where the game went, whether it was in Auckland or Fungaday, back in (laughs) Auckland, people just packed out to see you girls. How did that support feel throughout your World Cup campaign? It
2: was so cool playing you guys, bro, Eden Parkers. You know a highlight of my career play in Australia, Eden Park sold out, and you know the Hucker and you know, I don't know who paid for that plane to go over our heads, but it was just you know it was just so, <laughs> <laughs> it was such a moment eh and um I one of the most special um you know stories I heard was um I don't know who organized it, but the black friends were hosted up in the bar bars lounge and and all those old girls, all the Black Ferns who did it for no money and did it in front of no crowds, you know, they said they were just all in tears in that haka. And, you know, when we won and played the way we did, they were just so proud of us. And, you know, we're we're only ever standing on the shoulders of absolute giants. Like, I I know I only have what I have because of people, what they went through before me. And so to hear that from the people who, who have done it all for nothing, endlessly tirelessly day after day it meant so much and so yeah that game was just yeah it, it kind of was like damn this everything that we've been through every hardship we're meant to be here and we're, we're meant to play well you know so sorry about that since we had to get the dub there you know
0: yeah it's right we were leading at halftime at Alto, that
2: <laughs> you were sassing us up in like 10 minutes
0: <laughs> <laughs> i turned it around and you guys turned it around for those joining us, we are speaking with Ruby Tui. She is a gold medalist for the Black Ferns and also an incredible superstar in the game of Rugby Union. Ruby, I just want to fast forward now to the World Cup Final. The girls would have already been through six weeks of intense, intense campaign. I- Bodies are sore, but you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. What was preparation like that week? And then take us through to that day and come and just highlight some key moments um that led to that 80th minute
2: yeah uh, we've kind of alluded to it but the end of year tour was really really hard uh, you know eight nine months out uh most of the management you know including the head coach leave um so it was you know like it was such a great win and stuff but yeah there was so many hard moments in those eight months really leading up to the 80th minute that I guess no one will ever see or understand and a lot of players I went through a lot and sacrificed a lot and, and didn't make it to that game. And so it was kind of like all that, my, my all the hard stuff we went through, like, you know, I can't probably speak on the whole team, but definitely a lot of the team, we were carrying everybody with us. Like it wasn't just us out there, you know. And so I was, yeah, we spent eight weeks together and, you know, very different personalities in fifteens team. That's what I found too. I, I feel like sevens is we. You know there's different people but we're quite alike like similar athlete same kind of strengths and attributes similar position like once you get past the one phase sevens it's all the same 15s holy hecker! like you're telling me i gotta get this front row prop to get on with the damn you know center you know like it's just so different people you, bro, i didn't realize man the dynamics the dynamics are so different in 15s and so we were on this massive journey you know like of oh Honesty and why are we here? And everybody was looking into our, you know, ourselves, our faritabafas, like our, you know, what makes us people. And oh, sis, it was a journey. Like that eight months or even that eight weeks felt like eight years. Like (laughs) it was, it was a lot. It was heavy. (laughs) But things were happening on the field, you know, like when we turned around that game against you and then in the semi final, drawing one of the best kickers in women's rugby misses that penalty on full time and we win that semi. Like, What is that about? You know, like when when she missed that penalty, I was like, "We're gonna win!" Like that—that is not like what was that? Like the Lord is looking out. Like it is—we're gonna win this tournament because the craziest things were happening. Like the craziest things, like not just on the field, like things like that, but like off the field. You know, we were having these moments as team, and I was just like, "This is this journey is like this is like no other." Oh, we had a saying: "It was like never before." Like this whole campaign, this whole year like never before like you tell me you strip your whole coaching staff and then you know turn up and have all these different people and you know your whole leadership group cut from the like it was just crazy 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 and so we get to the 80th minute of the world cup final in new zealand we're winning by two tiny little points and england women's red roses are the best in the world without a doubt like low-key better than some men's teams Lineouts, lineout drives, line animals is all they do they're killing us, they' killed the whole world. They won 30 games in a row. Um, they've been dominating for years now, and of course, in the ninth minute, they get a lineout and you know, earlier in the game, I don't know if you know noticed, but the, girl, the Fords had actually stopped the lineout down the other end in the first half, and it, I was like. That, did anyone else see that? Like, that's huge. And not only did we win the lineup, but one one of their main locks had gone down injured and had to leave because of the way we defended their their more And I remember coming into the fours, being like, like slapping them on the back, like, "Do you know what you just did? Like, you just stopped the, uh, an English red roses lineup more. People who play for years, will never do that. So we'd already done it once in the game. And I remember just having this feeling, like, "No, no, 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 it's not meant to end like this. Like, I don't know, I don't know what it was. I just had this feeling. I was like, "No, no, no, like." we're in this, we're in this, and we're all like yelling at them, and little things, you know, like we'd won that, we'd, we'd stopped the line out more earlier, They're, so they got two really good locks, one of their locks off the field, their like, starting hooker, Amy Cocaine, world-class, she was off, so the hooker was new, there were all these little things, I was like, no, 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 this ain't over, like, this is not over, uh, and uh, and no one realises, but, you know, Jo Nan Wu, she's probably one of the best locks in the world right now, but because of her ability to play so many positions, she was actually on the bench, so, our, one of our locks go off. Well, all our locks are amazing, but you know, she 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 knows these lineups. She's played these English women for a long, long time. She comes off the bench. So it's actually Joe who's there in the 80th minute. Not, you know, the English had all their subs on, not much experience. We had Joe our sub on who has huge experience. She knows Abby Ward in and out. She knows the hookers, not the starting hooker. She knows when Abby Ward walks like this, does this, goes, uh, she knows the call. And so and it wasn't even a double lift that got Joe up. It was just Muzz. You know, it was Crystal Murray who Gets on really, really well with Joe and w- whatever Joe does, she's there, she's got it, you know. But it was only one lift, it was just just Muzz lifting Joe. And so of course, Abbey Ward goes up. The poor the poor hookers like, you know, the English hooker's like, this is the most biggest pressure moment on your life. Those are too low. Joe gets up with just Muzz lifting him. And I probably haven't seen that in I don't know if I've ever seen that ever against the English Moor. Joe gets a clean hand to it and makes Abbey Ward knock it on. And like I I know I the I tell people to always play to the final whistle, like it's even it's in my book. But when Joe got that intercept, the game technically wasn't over. I lost it. I was like, we I don't even care if we lose now because did anybody see that? Like, did anybody know what just happened? We just intercepted English Light. Like, like it was those moments in your career, bro, are just unscriptable. And so i take off celebrating because I just couldn't believe I knew the only way we'd lose is if, um, you know, you'd have to do a red card. Like you'd have to, must as well have to punch you in the face. or so, We'd have to do something ridiculous, which I wouldn't even care because did you just see that line out Intercept like I was <laughs> losing it, bro. I was losing it. And then of course, you know, we get the ball and kick it out and then you, I can actually fully celebrate with the girls. But, you know, I just, I couldn't help but feel like we were going to win. I just couldn't tell you how it was going to happen. And for it to happen like that, like Joe getting her hand up like that, it was just, you know, because Joe's such a champion. She's one of those players who has just worked her butt off for years and, you know, with not much recognition. And now no one's ever going to forget her hand.
0: No, so, that hand should go up in a Hall of Fame somewhere.
2: 100% like the best clutch play ever, you know, Muzz lifting her, like the bros, you know, they're just bros, they do that and they spare time for fun. It was just, it was such a magical moment, but I, I can't disregard that one moment was an accumulation of everything we'd kind of been through as a team, man. Like, it, it, was, it was hard, and that moment was so beautiful, but that, that eight months was so hard. You know, like, I, I'm just one of many stories, but I had to choose between my beloved sevens and my fifteens, and, you know, man, it's hard. Like, um, So it was, it was a beautiful, beautiful moment, but if anything else, it was a reminder to us and everybody who's gone before us and everybody who missed out on that World Cup. You know, our hardest moments can lead to the most beautiful ones too.
0: Mm-hmm. So it was,
2: um, yeah, man, that
0: 80th minute was wild. That is insane. Just hearing you retell the story, I feel like I was there in Eden Park, <laughs> but I wasn't. I was in Australia watching the game. And, yeah, Jonah would definitely go as one of the, the most rem- memorable players within the Black Ferns outfit. Yo. Post-match, you take the mic and you lead this Oh, game. nah, are we going there? You are. We are, we are. I had to sh- I share it on my Instagram story because I thought it was one of my like highlights of World Cup. Seeing you lead a home crowd in a moldy folk song is the best. <laughs> did you did you think that that would go viral? Did you know what you were doing in that moment?
2: Just <clears throat> I don't know what happens in those moments there, but now nah, look. First of all, I'm afraid someone, but you know, I got some more to go to. This is you know, the whenua here is this is Māori land, you know, and I always um <laughs> acknowledge that when I play in that black jersey, I'm representing, yeah, my mum's heritage, but also the Māori people of this land. And so I um I take that very seriously. You know, the haka means a lot, all our wata mean a lot. But I tell you I tell you why that I tell you why I took that mic that day. In Eden Park there's three tiers. And I've been to many super games, FPC, many all black games at that stadium. And whenever there's a prize giving, you know, the stadium kind of clears out and there's and that in that bottom tier is the biggest one. It that's where all the hard out fans come and they, they watch the prize giving. Every time, every game without a fail. It's that it's that bottom tier, that thick one. I come over to do the interview. I don't even know why they wanted the interview to interview me, to be honest. But you know, I come what over <laughs> I was like through that's like, you know, got love, peace and love everywhere to to everyone. <laughs> and um sis so I look up and yeah, that, that number one, that thick tier was full. But sis one, two, three. A chocker. They were full to the brim. And I was thinking, this is not normal. Like, this never happens. No rugby team can usually keep three full tiers worth of supporters. Like I was like, these people were here for us. We won. We like we the team won, but we won. New Zealand won that night. And so I don't know, it just you know, everybody in New Zealand knows that. Like, if you if you're just walking around two tiers, you go, the kiwis in the crowd will be like oh yeah you know like it's like, guy like ozzy 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 oy, oy, oy. like yeah you can just find all the kiwis if you just want to say that and so i was like nah these people they get it you know they get it they've been with us they've been coming out they know what we've been through they know that 10 years ago we did this for no money and we had nobody they know they know and so i knew like they were they were a part of it, so let's embrace it. Let's celebrate it together, you know. So I just when I saw the three, the, it was all for. I just, just came over me, I so Just had to.
0: Oh, it it will live. That memory will live in my mind rent free forever. <laughs> it was one of the most powerful and profound moments, not just for New Zealand rugby and their fans, but just for the game worldwide. For years, women's rugby has struggled. Like we know it firsthand. You've been in that setup for ages. A lot of things that we do is just purely for the love of rugby, but then you see people come out, not because the men are playing before us and we're playing after them. You did that. (laughs) You absolutely did that. The people did this. The people. people. They've got us. They're here for us. Yes. Um, Ruby, one thing I want to talk about before we kind of wrap up is a new release that you have put out, which is your first publication straight up. Amongst being a rugby player, a World Cup winner, you know, winning Olympics, you know, your your CB goes on. You have taken a complete different turn, put pen to paper and shared your story so honest, so openly with the world. How was that process? And I guess now you also are an esteemed author. That is huge. And um, I'm just so intrigued to know how that journey started for you and how you have found the response. Because I, I have a I have a really good idea of how well people have taken to this book, but I just want to hear your thoughts because it's so inspirational, the work that you're doing.
2: I don't know if it's a Kiwi thing, but you get a little bit mine, you know, you get a little bit fucking mine mm-hmm. um, to, to put your story out there. You always have those feelings, like even me, like have South Down, like, oh, nobody wants to read my story. Like, come on, come on, Reeves, like, relax. Um, and then after Tokyo, the heat came in, like, you know, my manager was like, "This is." is his um, publish, publisher's really keen, like, you know, come on, and uh, I, I was going back and forth, I was going back and forth, like, oh man, like, you know, most most players do it after they finished, like, maybe I should wait, or whatever, and then I was like, okay, hey, look, I'll go, this is what I do when I'm maybe struggling with something, I'll go, I'll seek a mentor who's done it, or I'll, you know, go look at, at someone who's done it to try and get an idea, so I went down to one of the shops, I was like, sweet, I'll I'll just look at a, a my rugby book and see, um you know, how they did it, or whatever, and um, I'll never forget the moment ever in my life I, I went in and I, I was looking. So I was like, like, like looking, looking. I couldn't find a single woman's New Zealand woman's sports book. Not even women's rugby. Like I couldn't even find a woman's book. I, I was digging and I found um Spilly Jean King, who's an American tennis player. She she's amazing. But I was like, what? Like I, I just feel like I, I, this. It, it was like a siren going off, like a siren of representation and i I mean i just thought of myself as being 13 walking in going am i not important enough to be on a bookshelf you know and i started um welling up in in the store i was like oh nah and 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 those are the moments in life it's like you know i can sit here and complain and wait and think it's about me being shy and all the rest of it or i can just suck it up and i can freaking make sure that there's a female rugby bio on the new zealand bookshelf like bro you know so it was, it was a mind-blowing realization for me and process and so when I said if I'm going to do it I'm going to be straight up like I'm going to be real my manager then um, you know helped me with the title and we were just like I'm going to do it I'm, I'm all in I'm going to do it I'm, this is my story like if you like lo- if, if one person buys it one person buys it but at the end of the day you know like I encourage everybody to journal your life because I never met my maternal grandparents and I always wondered what my grandma on my mum's side was like but I'll never know. So I thought, even if I write the story and I just, I, I just put all of me in it, at least my grandkids will know what kind of person I am. If it doesn't sell, you know, at least my grandkids will know what kind of person I am. And I was like, nah, let's go, let's do this. And the reception is had like, and it, it's weird. Like I'll just be like in the street or just like, I was in the elevator the other day and I, with a woman, like, I don't know her. I was like on my phone, she was on her phone. And then she looked up and goes, I loved your book. And I was like, you know, and then we go from being like absolute strangers to like she knows everything over. about me. <laughs> so then, all of a sudden, we're like things in the elevator. You know, so um, yeah. Now the I, I oh the the reception, the process, the connections, just everything about that has been so beautiful. And I totally encourage everybody. You know, if you're scared of doing that big thing, like just do it, man. You just you have no idea in it yeah it's 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 been amazing like I don't know numbers I don't know books very well I'm new to the industry but yeah the the publishers Alan Unwin like said it's just doing things that they've never seen a book do and people lining up the streets just to get me to bloody sign it you know and I'm terrible right like apparently most people they they sign the book and they just go like this and they get through you would
0: have a conversation with this
2: I gotta have a hug I gotta have a photo I gotta know your (laughs) name you know like
0: oh what was your favorite book? like
2: I'm having these combos like so these book signings are going for hours and hours, and and publishers are getting like, look, like mad at me. But I just after the first book tour stop, I was like, oh, maybe I should um, just hurry up and not talk to people. But then I was like, nah, man, like that's just who I am, you know. Like I gotta meet them, and so yeah, so, so I was out of an unwind. But the connections are part of it, you know, it's part of life. So yeah, that book, wow, I I can't. I every day I push myself. I'm like, I can't believe I wasn't gonna do it.
0: <laughs> and look what was sitting on the other side of your fear was just all of this momentum and connection that was just waiting for you oh, to stand. Yes. Ruby, like, it has been the most refreshing, <laughs> most inspiring conversation I've had in a very, very long time. <laughs> I have to ask, what is next for you? You've dominated sevens. You've claimed the most prestigious award when it comes to, world. Uh, sorry, uh, the Game of Fifteens. You've published your first book. What's next for Ruby Tui?
2: Yes, yeah, so as everyone that wants to know, but I haven't made any decisions yet. Um, I just know, I guess, from Tokyo to the World Cup, that 18 months, you know, I released a book, or wrote a book. It was just the craziest time, and it was so full on. So I'm just taking a minute before I make any decisions, and um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens to because, yeah, whatever whatever I do next, my whole heart's got to be in it. Um, and there's, yeah, a couple, couple options, and, um, yeah, I, I can't wait to see what happens next.
0: Great. Right, well, you know, New South Wales Waratahs, um, <laughs> you know, if you ever get itchy feet kind of considering what's happening across the ditch, you just, uh, you let me know. Yeah.
2: Will you play on the wing with me? Michael?
0: Yeah. I'll yeah. I'll race you. <laughs> you can eat my dust. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Ruby, before we let you go, I actually just have one more question for you. Mm-hmm. So I'm heading over to Super Rugby Opiki. And I know that the haka is a key part of yes. all the teams in the yes, competition. It's gonna be my first one that I'll have to ever learn and do. Do you have any advice?
2: Ooh, Ooh. okay. So you gotta get that pukana down pack real quick. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, so I'm on. It Took me years. These Moli's just rock up and egg them. Mm. So, like, ask somebody, <laughs> ask somebody for some help because that can go very wrong or very right. And Tikura Airingamate, the the leader of Kapahaka for years, always told me the is the ISAs, um when you see a spider like oh my gosh there's a spider like oh my gosh like when you see a spider then, yeah Like Whoa. oh my gosh and then the the lips is when somebody asks a question you don't know the answer you're like i don't know you like, know so oh, yeah, that's yeah. Good. so, you, cool so yeah practice them separately so i don't know and oh my gosh a spider and if you can't get them to work together just do one in the haka Okay. Cause then if cause if it looks if you can't get it down it looks like oh this is an island can someone can someone send the Māori into to real quick fix that that was me for years that was me for years and if you like so if you put your head back it makes the white look it, like yeah all these tips the will were heavy but yeah just if you can't do both just do one
0: because I was trying to do both way too early oh yeah. that is great advice if you can't <laughs> do both just do one I love it. Ribs, before we let you go, we have a segment that we love to run with our guests. It's called Tip On. It's 60 seconds of rapid fire questions. Sweet. Say the first thing that comes to mind and then that basically um, will keep us ticking through the game. Cool. Tip all on. right, cool. Well, the clock is on. What have you been binging? The beach. Okay. What is your coffee order?
2: Coconut latte, but it has to be all pro because it's the only coconut milk, milk bit of frost.
0: Who is your most annoying teammate? Oh, jeez.
2: Oh, jeez. I feel like those ones, if you don't know, it's you. Um, <laughs> I'll just say Stacey because everybody says Stacey, but she's she's lovely.
0: Okay. Who is your sporting hero? Um, my parents. Do you fold or do you scrunch?
2: Scrunch? Oh, wait. just talking about washing or scrunches? Toilet paper. Oh. Damn. Um. I mean, depends how much time I have. If we on, if I got training, it's a scrunch and go.
0: What would be your wrestler entrance song? Oh, oh,
2: probably at the moment, eh? six eight five for your speakers.
0: <laughs> I love that. What was your favorite movie as a kid? Bambi. Who on your team is always on their phone? Aisha and Tanya. And the last question, who is your favorite Waller Doesn't have to be me, doesn't have to be me. Because I know you met someone in Monaco. I know you met someone in oh, Monaco.
2: She was on. She was on. Where is Chansey? I need to catch up, with Chansey A set.
0: The UK playing for the Harlequin season.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so you, Chansey, and, um. Do you know what? I reckon Grace Hamilton's um, goes mean and been real consistent over the years and, you know, does damage off the back of that scrum, and I respect that.
0: Yeah, she is a workhorse. Ruby Toy, it has been my absolute pleasure to have you on Can Thank You Be More? Thank you so much for sharing your time so generously and also your world with me. It has uh, been really, really cool to connect with you off the field
2: it's been an honor, always is. Um, always time for my Pacific roots. So thank you for asking me to be on such a cool show. And hey, I would say all the best, but I don't know if I can go for much to just yet.
0: Uh, <laughs> some time. We get it. You won the <laughs> you won the premiership last year, you big chief.
2: <laughs> no, but but thank you for you know, crossing over the ditch. I, I believe international connections will grow our game uh, a lot in ways that other other things cannot. So thank you, Sarah, for growing our game.
1: Wow, oh, thank you, Ruby. What an awesome chat, Sarah. I wish I got to be there for it.
0: Yeah, I wish you were too, but unlucky you weren't. But again, Ruby is such an incredible character and such a strong advocate for our game, so I'm very, very happy that I got to have a yarn with her.
2: You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete.
0: On Can You Be More Pacific? Back for another week of You Can Ask That. Now, this is becoming one of our most favoured segments because we really get to share our thoughts. This is an opportunity for anyone to ask us a question. I am a current, and my good mate over here is a former athlete, but we always like to talk all things spicy, and this week's question is no different.
1: Yeah, this week's question, Sarah, it it comes from uh, something that happened in the... Dubai Desert Classic over the weekend uh, obviously in Dubai uh, a golf tournament now Patrick Reed an American golfer on the 17th hole he he sort of sprayed his drive uh, from the tee off and it landed in a tree Now the coverage showed the ball traveling through the air and then it just disappears. It doesn't land. It looks like it's going to land somewhere sort of on the right edge of the fairway, but it doesn't come down. And you can see that these, these tall palm trees have got like a stack of balls in them. So obviously it's a common place or a common spot as much as you you might not believe it for, for balls to land off um, these tee shots. Now Patrick went up and he said he could see which ball was his in the tree by the markings on the ball. A lot of golfers use very similar looking balls and they have markings on it, but they do put their initials on it often so that they know which balls are there. He said that his was this specific ball at about the third tree along. Now the broadcasters went back and they looked at the footage and they thought that it landed in the first tree along, which was about, I don't know, maybe like a, Ten to fifteen meter difference on on his next shot, so, which is heaps. Which is heaps, but also if you can't identify your ball off a tee shot, you have to go back and re-hit your, th- and it'll be your third shot. So instead of hitting your second shot from the fairway, you'd be hitting your third shot from back on the tee. You identify your ball in the tree, you can get a free drop on the on the fairway, and it's your second shot plus it appeared to be further down than where everyone else seen it happening. Now, this question uh, from Noah via Instagram is kind of loosely based on this and it's, should all professional sports be able to use video assistant referee or technology in some way, uh, or do you think it'll become too robotic or too over, I don't know, there'd be an overuse of technology?
0: That's a really, really good question. I think because of where the game is today and being someone who benefits from video assistant referee, there is a place for it in our game and although you can sometimes find yourself on the on the side of, Oh, stop over replaying these things, like we're sick of it, make a call, whatever. When you're on the field, sometimes and say for instance you may be down on the scoreboard, having someone else in the box that's able to see it from, you know, I don't know, from a replay or having another referee that's spectating it that's not on the field, sometimes is the difference between a win and a loss, and that could be you lifting a trophy or not. So I think that all professional sports should be able to use it. I think it's also worth mentioning that even in the women's game, we we don't get the privilege, and at super level, we don't get the privilege of video replays. So there is still a gap for it, particularly in the game that I play and at the at the level I do. Yes, when we go to test international rugby – Certainly it does exist, but not at every level it does, which is a bit annoying because – then the game's not being policed the same way that, for instance, the men's is. But that's not the question here. I guess the question is, should all professional sports? Yeah, it should. And at every single level, whether it's semi-professional or not.
1: It's a a good point around being able to have consistency through all different levels. And uh, at Super Rugby, I know you say it's a different issue altogether, the way that it's uh, not applied in in your code. But um, I I agree with you, Sarah. I think that if the technology's there, use it. Because people want accuracy, of course. When there's a bad call or something that's missed, Everyone blows up about it. But if you've got the technology there that can give you a better answer or find you the more accurate answer or give you definitive proof that something happened, then why not use it? Commentating on games, it can be frustrating because if a try scored, the excitement of a try being scored, you go up and you get excited and the crowd goes up and gets excited. But then they go back to the video referee a dozen times. It takes a lot of the the joy out of the moment. And then if it's overturned, you're like, oh, well, there's a wasted good moment. But if the call or the decision is right, then you've got to accept that. And I think people sometimes get stuck on like, oh, stop interfering with the game, just make a call, but also wanting um, to have the accuracy of the call at the same. You can't have your cake and eat it, to, uh, eat it too. So I'm with you, Sarah. We've got to have the technology
0: available. If it's there, use it. That is very well said. And thank you also to Noel for sending through your questions. A huge, huge reminder to all of our listeners that if you ever want us to kind of attack a question, please feel free to hit us up on Instagram. We're both on it. My name is... My handle, sorry, is at Sarah Nangama and Dean's is at Dean Halitau. Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia? Oh, my God. Woo!
1: You're with Sarah and Dean talking all things sport across the Pacific.
0: Stick around, we'll spotlight our favourite socials, tackle the tough headlines in the ruck, and go head to head in play on or on report.
1: Sarah, it's time for our new segment, Play On or On Report. We've had a couple of cracks at this, and I think we're going okay. Basically, we'll take an issue that's creating a bit of debate in the world of sport, and we'll decide whether or not uh, it's play on. So the issue's fine, nothing to see, carry on, or it's on report, so something needs to change. And the issue that we're going to dig into, I should say, is based on the Australian Cricket Awards, which happened during the week on Monday, and the red carpet event. Should it be a part of sports awards ceremonies?
0: Yes, yes, yes. Play on, she says. Play on. I have two opinions to offer in it and both are are for it. I'm looking particularly at the men's at the moment when there's an opportunity, say, for instance, the Dallium Awards and the men rock up or the players rock up and they have their partner with them. It's so cool to be able to see um, the spouse of a player and so often throughout the season – you know, the players, their partners come and they, they get all the kids along, they're in the stands, rail Hain or Shine, and throughout the seasons, they ride the wave, the highs and the lows. And I feel like it's that one moment in the season where the player often gets to show off their spouse and they just relish in that opportunity to get dressed up and have the spotlight for a moment. So I'm genuinely all for it. And I also love seeing the different outfits which, again, is just something that's a side note. But then for the females, I think it's so cool to be able to see a different element of them. You get to see us on the field when we're all in our... And now, you know, for me, in my rugby kit, but then you get the opportunity to see what I look like when I'm not in my playing kit. So I think it's a, it's a moment of self-expression and it allows people to see, um, players in a different light. And if their spouses get to enjoy that, then so be it. It's, um, it's, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful part of the evening. Yes. It gets all the hype sometimes, perhaps maybe more than the awards, but is it really worth frowning upon?
1: No, certainly not. I'm, I'm with you again. We're
0: on the same page a
1: lot today. I'm, I'm saying players, Which is on. Rare. Rare. Play on for the red carpet events. And the reason being for me, and it's a great point you make about um, a partner of a player getting the opportunity to to step out in front after a year of supporting their spouse in whatever sport they're playing. And uh, I never really wanted to go to the Daly M's when I was playing, but towards the end of my career, I got an invite to go as a, as a sub because someone pulled out, I got asked to oh, go. And you
0: were always worthy of being their friend.
1: But my wife, Rochelle was so keen to go because she wanted to do just what you said, to get dressed up and to experience that, that element of the award ceremony, the red carpet. And uh, I remember finally the first, the first night um, that we went to, we were walking along the red carpet out the front of the, um, the casino there in Sydney and we're getting photos together. And then after about two or three photos, the photographers asked me to step aside. They just said, can you get out of the way? <laughs> Politely, of course, and I was like, oh, hang on, like, we're here because I play footy. No, <laughs> no, we're not. Get out of the way. We're going to get some pictures of I love that on the media wall. So um, yeah, and Rochelle really enjoyed that. It was a, a bit of fun and a bit of a laugh. The night was still really enjoyable, but um, yeah, I'm all for the, the red carpet moments. I think uh,
0: they're, they're a traditional part of the award ceremony and I say play on to them as well, Sarah. Oh, love that. We're on the same page, Holla. Well, you heard all of our thoughts. Let us know what you think. If you agree with us that it is play on, we'd love to hear about it. And even if you think it's on report, let us know. You can find us both on Instagram. In the
2: Rut. Tackling the tough headlines in sport on Can You Be More Pacific.
1: Yes, tough headlines, and it doesn't get any tougher than the first story we've got uh, for you today. And it's uh, unfortunate news that came uh, over the weekend at Shelley Beach in Cronulla. Uh, Mari Tapao's uncle, uh, Tinga, who had gone out to the surf to try and rescue um, two other people that have found themselves in trouble in a rip at Shelley Beach, which is a, a fairly treacherous spot. Um, unfortunately, Tinga lost his life uh, in attempting to save that of uh, the, the lives of others. And uh, our thoughts go out to Marty and his family. Uh, what a tragedy that, that occurred and, and what would have been, no doubt, a, a started out as a, a beautiful day for them and it ended in tragedy. So uh, sending our thoughts and our, uh, our prayers out to Marty and his family.
0: Beautifully said, Hala. And just to echo the sentiment, we send our love out to Marty and his family. This is a hugely devastating moment, but uh, we are certainly standing with you in this moment. Turning our attention to other news, former All Black Campbell Johnston is the first All Black to come out as gay. This is a huge huge moment that has taken um, the the rugby world by hold. He is a formidable player. He is actually All Black 1056, played 3 tests in the black jersey in 05, 72 times for Canterbury and 38 matches for the Crusaders between 2002 and 2008. This is a hugely significant moment in the game um, for a player like him to come out and to own his identity um, in its entirety it will no doubt break down barriers um, for players who may be in the game that are su- sorry suffering in silence and um, will now have the courage to be able to embrace themselves wholeheartedly.
1: Yeah, I think this is a great story, and it's something that I, I reflect on in, in, say, in rugby league, which uh, obviously I'm, I'm a part of. I, I've Gotten to know Ian Roberts over the last few years in, in a work capacity and done uh, a number of theatre sports sessions with with Robbo and uh, wonderful guy, great ambassador for the game, one of the toughest guys to ever play the game. Is so far, to my knowledge, the only rugby league player that has come out as openly gay back in the early 90s, which would have been an, a horrific time to do it in terms of the, um, I guess, the, the slurs he would have copped from opposing teams from maybe his own teammates from members of the public. And uh, it it surprises me that – I guess it doesn't surprise me. It's a challenging environment, I think, for a lot of people um, to to want to be able to be themselves and, and, um, you know, be true to who they are. And and I I can't commend Campbell enough for what he's done to be able to step up and and announce this about himself, but just the, the courage that that must have taken.
0: Yes. And I want to end on this note. New Zealand rugby CEO, Mark Robertson, said that Johnston's strength and visibility will pave the way for others. Rugby is a sport that is welcoming to everyone and a place where people should feel safe to be who they are. He acknowledges that rugby hasn't always been the most comfortable place for people to embrace their identity, but ends it on this. We want to be clear, no matter who you love, rugby has your back. So a huge, huge congratulations. Um, I, I don't even feel like congratulations is the right word, but like a huge nod to Campbell for being able to embrace this moment and pave the way for more athletes. You
1: couldn't have said it better. Sarah, now
0: turning over to the Solomon Islands and Rafael
1: Liayi has become the f- country's first international professional football player to sign with the European club. He's actually signed on with FK Veles Mostar, which is a professional club based in Mostar in Bosnia, Herzegovina. Uh, so that's big news uh, for the Solomon Islands to produce uh, a talent that's going to be playing in a, you know, an elite, European Premier League. I think that's uh, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, I think it's really cool because as you said, we're just being able to see more and more athletes take up um, one sports that are considered minority, but then on the flip side of that, take up contracts in really big clubs. So another sport for us to follow on Can You Be more Pacific and no doubt this guy will do some damage over there.
1: Yeah, we'll keep an eye on his progress. Now back over to Rugby League and Fijian halfback Brendan Wakem, who was formerly at the, uh, the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs, has played a number of test matches for Fiji, including at last year's World Cup, alongside. Sorry, including along including at last year's World Cup. He signed a deal to join the West Tigers effective immediately. It's a one-year deal where he'll be playing alongside uh, his countryman in Apikorosau. I think it's awesome uh, that the
0: Tigers have signed Brandon because he is a talented player. He really is, and he was really a standout for me throughout the World Cup campaign last year. So West Tigers alongside the Bulldogs, they're they're building depth there. So your teams may just come out on top. I don't know how far on top on top describes, but they're going to do better this year.
1: (laughs) The Tigers can still go backwards because there's 17 teams now, but I think they're going to go well North.
0: Well North. Yeah. Well, you heard it here first, but congratulations to Brandon. He is a great player also off the field. Wait, he's also a great human off the field. Last but certainly not least the Matilda's opening 2023 women's world cup game against the Republic of Ireland has now been moved to stadium Australia. This is huge because there is an expectation that ticket sales are going to blow out. And you know what? I think it will. It's, a home tournament or home World Cup, sorry, for Australia. And I think being able to give them a platform where they can excel is, it will actually not be wasted.
1: Yeah. It's awesome. And originally slated to be played at the Sydney football stadium, which has a capacity of 42,500 and Sydney football stadium is the newest toy in sports arenas here in Australia. So it would have been great to have that. uh, I guess the, the technology and the stadium show that that's on, on display there at the SFS, but you need the numbers. If if you're going to get towards 80,000, it's got to be out west at um, Homebush, which is a great facility itself. And yeah, it's a great move. I hope it is packed and I hope the place is rocking.
0: What I really love about this is that the organisers anticipate this because they understand the worth that women's football has. And if you set the scene or you set the stage and you put the right marketing material and the right kind of marketing push behind it, you will be able to feel it. Like you said, 83,500 is the capacity of Stadium Australia. And, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a, a bold claim. They're going to fill it out. ABC Radio Australia. Can you be more Pacific?
1: Unfortunately, that brings us to the end of the show, but do not fear, we'll be back same
0: time, same place next week. Don't forget, you can find all our episodes on the Radio Australia website or wherever you listen to your podcast. More there. What's all, like here? Pacific, an ABC sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by
2: the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.